time to wake up. It's Saturday morning. Find some milk and cereal. Grab a bowl and spoon. No, a bigger spoon. Head to the living room and take a seat on the floor. But Joseph and Chris present to you... Saturday Morning Cartoon! Hello everybody and welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoon Boom! This is a show where we wake up with a Saturday morning sun, plop down on the living room floor with a big bowl of sugary cereal, and watch all your favorite cartoons, both old and new. I'm Joseph. And I'm Chris. Uh, I have con flu. <laughs> Ugh. We just recently came back from San Diego Comic Con, and Chris came back with blisters and the flu. Yeah, it's it's been great. It's been a great experience. Comic Con. <laughs> <laughs> uh, overall, it was great, though. Yes. This morning, we watched Parasite the Maxim. This is the weirdest cartoon we've done so far, I think. You think so? Probably. I feel like this is the weirdest one so far. Maybe. We'll see. We'll talk about it. So the show Parasite the Maxim aired from 2014 to 2015. It was originally a manga written by Hitoshi Iwaki, and the anime was written by Shoji Yonemura and produced by Madhouse. This was only one season, ran for 24 episodes on the NTV network in Japan. Not MTV, but NTV, NTV. letter N, and Funimation in the U.S., of course. For a short synopsis, while worm-like aliens called parasites invade Earth, one of the aliens fails to crawl into a boy's ear. This parasite burrows into his arm instead, where Shinichi Izumi is forced to live with it. The two form a strong bond to work together to survive. That's actually a pretty good description this time. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, uh, that's definitely the offset of it. You got the worm, you got the Shinichi. You got the survival. You got the surviving part and the, <laughs> the compromising. Yeah. Nice job, whoever wrote that one. So who are some actors who played in this show, Chris? I'm just going to name two of the characters because, um, well, I mean, these are the most important ones. And because I don't want to pronounce a whole bunch of Japanese names with this stupid cold. <laughs> so <laughs> um, first of all, Shinichi, our main character in Japan, was voiced by Nobunaga Shimazaki. And in English, voiced by Adam Gibbs. And then the character of Migi, which is his little handworm, in Japan was voiced by Aya Hirano. And in English, Brittany Karbowski. No worms were harmed in the making of this anime. <laughs> so yeah, I guess that's all you really need to mention, because they're the ones who recur in every single episode. Yeah, none of the other characters really keep coming back. I mean, there's a few that kind of come and go... But those are the two big ones. They're the one that is uh, pretty much on the screen at all times. That's true. So for a few tasty marshmallows out of our big bowl of Parasite cereal. Ugh, that sounds gross. <laughs> Parasite cereal. Parasite cereal sounds terrible. I would not <laughs> eat it. Hashtag would not eat. Unless I had marshmallows. Every, so first of all, every sound made by Migi is actually a noise from a female Japanese beatboxer named Rinka Ange. Uh, this series was based on a manga that ran from 1988 to 1995. This is unique in the sense that it was made from a manga that was really produced a long time ago, considering the manga started in 88 and this started as an anime in 2014. So the jump is pretty severe. I feel like that tends to happen a lot with manga. Like Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z was pretty old, right? Yeah, and but then but the anime was pretty old too. I mean, that oh, was okay. In the I 80s. thought I thought maybe the anime was adapted maybe like ten years later or something like that. I might be wrong though. Uh, I don't know. I don't know when the manga was originally created, but I know Dragon Ball was in the eighties. Eighties was a good decade. It was good for nothing. Oh no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> 
Also, uh, there were two live action films made in Japan that followed the story, Parasite Part 1 in 2014 and Parasite Part 2 in 2015. What was interesting was that New Line Cinema, you know, in the U.S. had originally acquired the film rights to Parasite back in 2005. And a film adaptation was reported to be in the works with Jim Henson Studios and producer Don Murphy. But New Line Cinema's option expired in 2013, which prompted a bidding war in Japan that Toho eventually won the rights to and adapted it into those two films that we mentioned. So it's like we had it, but we just we sat on it and didn't do anything with it until it expired. And then Japan took it back and made the films. Well, I was just thinking, too, is like um, just because of the nature of this anime, if they went CG, they would have been doing a lot of CG and it probably would have looked terrible. But if the Jim Henson company was involved, that means they would probably be going for a lot of practical effects, which might have been really cool. You might have gotten something similar to like The Thing. Exactly. Like John Carpenter's, John Carpenter's version or something. Like, yeah, I, I would have been okay with a version of Parasite like that. Oh, yeah. That would have been amazing. I don't know how the movies actually were. I'm going to watch them, though, because I'm curious. Yeah, I wonder if we can find those somewhere. No, I'm sure we could. They're probably streaming somewhere. So, Chris, do you have any memories of this show? Uh, I remember watching it when, when it was asked <laughs> okay. or requested. <laughs> That's it. So you remember? No, I, I had no knowledge that this even existed before it was suggested. So Yeah, same here. I completely missed out on this one, both in manga and anime format. Being the horror fan that I am, though, I'm really interested in diving deeper into this series after watching just the three episodes that we watched. So let's go ahead and jump right into the three episodes that we watched for today's show. The very first episode, highest rated episode, and finally, random or listener chosen episode. Order may vary depending on how these episodes fall chronologically. But of course, we have to start with the very first episode. I'm going to start trying to say that faster and faster every time I say it. Yeah, really. Just to see if I can get through it. Make it a tongue twister. I know. Why can we be inflatable arm flailing too, man? Why can we be inflatable arm flailing too, man? Why can we be inflatable arm flailing too, man? Oh, you almost had it. Yeah, it's the cold. I used to practice. <laughs> <laughs> So we have to start with the very first episode being Metamorphosis, Season 1, Episode 1, where Shinichi Izumi's life takes a turn when a creature called a parasite attempts to infiltrate his body in order to take control of it. But it ends up burrowing into his right hand and both are forced to cooperate. You know what? I like the way that it approached this, actually. The parasite comes down and tries to enter his ear, but when he sleeps, he sleeps with headphones on, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's something that people do sometimes, so that's not uncommon. But for that to be the parasite's main entry point, I thought that was a really unique take on this. And then it tries to go in through his nose, which he sneezes out. And then it jumps into his wrist and then starts trying to head up to his brain. But he cuts it off with the like he he ties the headphone around his arm and kind of makes a um, tourniquet. And so it gets stuck down in his arm. And I thought that was a really neat way to approach this, seeing as these parasites, their primary goal is to take the human brain and essentially take over the entire form, not share this body. Yeah, I I like how they did it. And I like the uh, fact that because it didn't make it to the brain, I guess they these alien slug things like mature pretty rapidly. So because it couldn't get to the brain in time, it matured in his hand. And when that happens, it's no longer able to travel or anything like it can't move farther in his body. It's stuck right there in the guy's arm. So now he can make his hand and arm do like all kinds of crazy stuff. But that's pretty much going to be the end of it. Like it can't travel any farther or shape any of the rest of his body. But man, the, the transformation that the hand does when it talks creeps me the crap out. Like... <laughs> The first time when his fingers like uh, 
It's like in between like his ring finger, I think, and his middle finger that starts splitting apart and a mouth shows up. Then there's an eyeball in his hand and it starts talking. And I'm like, oh, sick. Yeah. Like, man, that creeped me out so bad. It's kind of like Crumb from Our Real Monsters. Yeah, it does kind of look like Crumb a little bit. At least at first, before it matures yeah. and is able to control itself more. And the, the way it talked, too, just made it even worse. Yeah. <laughs> so gross. And its name its name is actually Migi because the Japanese word for right hand is Migi. Can we talk about real quick about how um, every anime intro is the exact same? <laughs> it's always like fast music with a bunch of action that cuts to this melodic music. With still images of the characters just staring off into the distance, all pensive and thoughtful. It just goes back and forth and back and forth. And that is every freaking anime intro ever, I swear to God. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I mean, they don't really have any scenes from the actual show. They're always just these really unique kind of uh, montage, I guess, of just images that yeah. sometimes seem completely unrelated. And sometimes you don't really see in the show at all. It's just like, oh, oh hey, yeah, here's this thing. A lot of them are super unrelated. Like, there's one in this one where you see um, Shinichi and Murano, like, naked. He's, like, hugging her from behind. And there's, like, a bunch of sparkly flowers in the background and stuff. (laughs) And it's it just doesn't make any sense. I I feel like in the end, like, the outro credits of every anime, there's always lots of flowers and really pretty music that has nothing to do with, like, the actual feel of the anime whatsoever. (laughs) So it's like hardcore intros and then really soft outros. Right. The outros are all always really like kind of depressing in a way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they make you sad that you're leaving the show. I guess so. If, if that's what they're going for. Congratulations. Success. Yes. Um, so, okay. In this episode, we get to see, oh man, one of the really creepy things about this episode and what really reminded me of John Carpenter is the thing was that. Okay, first we get to see Migi infest Shinichi's hand, and then we find out that Migi is able to detect other parasites who have infected really anyone, just other parasites, others of his kind. He's got kind of a radar going on, just an internal one. And so he's like, uh, and he can tell you the distance exactly you are from as long as I think he's less than 300 meters or something, then he can detect them. So the first one he comes across is this corgi that has been infested by a parasite. And, oh man, this dog, it's eating another dog, first of all. It turns around and sees this abomination of a parasite, half parasite, half human, basically. And that's an offensive thing to the parasites who are trying to overtake the entire being. But second of all, this is kind of a a failed attempt on both Migi's part and this dog's part, because apparently this dog parasite did not do enough research into what he was infecting. And so he took this lesser being and now is kind of fueled with anger and resentment. So goes after Migi and uh, Shinichi to kill them. By sprouting these flesh wings and kind of yeah, flying like out of its head, them. yeah, and it's so weird. It got the also got the whole like um big jaw thing that opens up like its, enti- oh, yeah. its entire face is a mouth. And the very very first thing we saw too is like a different one, and we didn't see a resolution with this story yet, at least not in the episodes that we watched. But there was another one that obviously took over this guy, and his head opened up and like just completely just ate the head of a woman oh yeah um, yeah like right at the very beginning and then we we see that guy a couple more times later in the episode 
none of our characters run into him. It just kind of shows him a few times. And he seems to be kind of like a lunatic, like he's drooling. He's repeating things he's hearing on TV. Um, the the daughter comes home and says something and he repeats it. And then we find out later that he kills the daughter also and just leaves like the pieces all over the place. Just completely just rips the bodies up and eats them and leaves just just sinew and and mashed bone and crap like that behind so it's kind of weird because this is part of the reason why i want to watch more of this show is because it starts out with the other parasites we see not really seemingly having a lot of control and being a lot more savage and kind of lunatic whereas some of the parasites that we encounter later in the show it's really hard to tell that they're parasites like they act human so so I'm wondering if it's like over time they get more control or something like that or if it's just the first ones we saw were just really like screwed up ones in the head or something. I think it could be a combination of both, but I, I think mainly it's the evolution of the parasite. Like you said earlier, it's a quick evolution, but it also maybe we're seeing these like right after they've entered these beings. So they're still really savage, still really kind of um they don't know how to control these bodies yet. Right. Whereas the later ones that we see have become these beings now. They've taken these identities. And we, we see that their their learning process is very rapid. Uh, like Migi is able to just flip through these books and almost like a computer, just learn these things so quickly. And so I, I do think it's it's a steady progression. And that's something I want to talk a little bit more about in the, the next episode that we watched. So the second episode we watched was Something Wicked This Way Comes. And I think this is the one you chose, right? Yep, I just chose it because of the title. I thought it sounded cool. <laughs> it's a cool you know, title. It's, it's part of like an old song lyric that's repeated in a lot of like Halloween-y stuff or like in mm-hmm. Harry Potter or things like that. So I was like, obviously that means something something crazy is bound to happen. So I'm like, this sounds like a good episode to watch. Yeah, this was a cool one. This is uh, episode 15, actually. So when something wicked this way comes, although he still has his doubts, Kuramori reluctantly decides to help Shinichi hunt down Riko and her group of parasites. But when a strange man appears, Shinichi soon goes from the hunter to the hunted. So this is where I was saying, like, it seems like as this show goes on, Shinichi runs into progressively more sophisticated versions of the parasites, like they're more acclimated to acting like humans. It makes them more dangerous because they're harder to spot they're very intelligent and it starts making Shinichi kind of paranoid, honestly, because at this point, anyone could be a parasite, mm-hmm. uh, especially if Migi is asleep or otherwise occupied and isn't able to alert him. He's pretty much on his own. Yeah. Migi, every once in a while, I can't, I don't know what the exact time she has to go to sleep or he has to go to sleep are, but I know it has to be four hours of sleep. Yeah. And at that point, he is completely defenseless against whatever comes his way and they're constantly tracking him at least this group is like i was seeing in the last episode though i wanted to talk a little bit about the evolution of these parasites because i think in this one shinichi does not have glasses on is this the one where he doesn't have glasses the starting one yeah he doesn't yeah. have glasses in this so one this, or this is any the of the first, others right this is the first time Ever. we see him without glasses i know it happened a couple episodes before probably but what i think is happening is like he and me are kind of Almost like Jeff Goldblum, the fly-esque, kind of merging into a single being, or at least sharing DNA to the point where Migi is kind of healing his ailments. Yeah, it's 
kind of fixing imperfections. Exactly. And also Shinichi is passing on some more, in a way, compassion to Migi because something to mention about Migi in general, the parasites in general, is they're very, very animalistic. Like they don't really have remorse or anything. They're just very calculated and they are all about survival. At one point, Migi doesn't care about Shinichi at all, only in the sense that like this is the body that he is now occupying. So therefore he needs it to survive. Right. If Shinichi dies, Migi dies. Right. At least initially. But I think that the further it's going on and the more they're merging together, the more that Migi is starting to get some sort of develop some more compassion, at least compared to what he had initially. Right. This episode was really cool and it was really sinister too. Basically, we see another parasite leading someone to, it looks like a parking garage. Yeah. I think. And um, that person had been contacting somebody else and had been following this parasite so it gets in there and turns out the parasite was just kind of like knew it was being followed led them in there killed them so then this person this other person that was in cahoots with the one that got killed contacts shinichi so they must have met at some point and it seems like him and that that other guy were hunting these parasites so obviously other people know of the parasites now yeah is asking him for help, so somehow he knows that Shinichi is involved, and Shinichi's like, you know what, you're you're over your head, but Shinichi kind of gets involved anyway, he goes over there, tries to save a girl from being killed by the same parasite, but it doesn't work out, but there's a big old battle between, like, Migi and this other parasite that's awesome. Yeah, the parking garage is just one of like the feeding grounds that these parasites have. Because even right. though they're they're really very strong, very intelligent, they still are very small in numbers. So they could be overpowered if a full force came at them. So therefore, right. they have to keep it on the down low a little bit. The murders that they're doing, feasting on these humans. So they name them feeding grounds and they have these specific areas that they do it. And that's where Shinichi and his friend were trying to kind of come to corner him to stop them from hurting this woman. In this case, Migi makes Shinichi hold back a little bit, like wait on it. And because he didn't jump out soon enough, that woman gets killed anyway, like you said. But the battle is very cool. What's interesting is the consequences of this battle. And it's because that they killed this parasite here. Turns out this feeding ground was for a group of parasites. And this group is led by someone named Hirokawa. And the group, I guess they meet every once in a while. And they, they met up and they're talking about the, the PI. And they're talking about who is the, the guy that's tracking them. And talking about Shinichi and what to do about him. One of them is kind of like, well, he's one of us. But the others kind of come to this consensus is that he's dangerous and he needs to be killed. So they decide to send somebody after him. So at one point, I believe Shinichi's back in school and Migi gives him a warning that there's three parasites coming after him. Up until this point, Shinichi decided after that woman was killed that he wants to protect all the humans, but he knows that he can only handle one at a time. Migi doesn't really think it's smart to confront the other parasites at all because it's just it's dangerous for Shinichi. And and like we said before, if, at this point, if Shinichi dies, Migi will die. Mm-hmm. So Migi's kind of like, you know, no, we need to survive. You shouldn't go trying to fight these guys because you're not going to win. So the bad part here is Migi is falling asleep. And when Migi falls asleep, there's no waking up for four hours. So Migi's falling asleep. There's 
three parasites coming after him. So he has to stay on the run as much as possible. And the parasites do catch up with him in a sense, which is through me for a loop the way it happened. Yeah. And it, was, it was really cool. And uh, I, I'm excited to go back and watch this and watch the following episode because we don't get to see like the big confrontation. We see everything leading up to it. Oh, I know. I was really excited to see, you know, the one guy comes out and we had seen him in the meeting, I think. So we yeah. as the viewers know that this guy's a parasite, even though Shinichi at the time is like, well, he seems too normal, you know, like he he seems too well-spoken, like we were talking about, too advanced, I guess. And so he doesn't suspect him at first until he basically kind of leads on that he is a parasite. But then he shows us that he is multiple parasites. The three parasites that were after Tanichi are all in this one being. And that's the end of that episode, really. It cuts off right there. And I was so tempted to watch the next episode, but I did not. I refrained from it because I, I'll do it <laughs> later. But right. that was a really cool way to end it and really got me like curious about how they're going to work that out. Yeah, I feel like if it's got three parasites in one body, I just assume that that means it's like three times as strong. I mean, I might be wrong, but I would assume that it's stronger than a normal parasite would be. You would think so. I mean, they lay down these interesting rules like... The parasites themselves don't really have weak points. It's the bodies that they're in that do kind of like the, the dog. The reason it was able to get killed at the beginning by Migi was Migi speared into its body and ripped out its heart. And so right. when the body dies, the parasite dies. But the reason it wasn't able to protect its heart is because it sprouted those wings. So it used too much of its energy. It, it was too distracted to be defending its entire body. Amigi kind of gives us some exposition on that and explains it to us throughout the episode. In this case, though, it seems like more parasites, to your point, would make this almost an unstoppable being because it's going right. to have spots where it's protected no matter you know where it's focusing its attention. Exactly. So I guess, it, and it might depend on where the parasites are in this body. One obviously has to be in the brain, and who knows where the other ones are. I mean, it looked like it sprouted like multiple crazy tentacle arms yeah. from both sides, so, I think. I wonder so. I wonder if they can like switch places, you know what I mean? Like if they can yeah, like, I don't evolve know. limbs or something. Right. I don't know. Either way, it's going to be interesting for sure. Yeah. So with that, we can jump on to the last episode that we watched for today's show. More Than Human, Season 1, Episode 18, which was the highest rated, and I think for good reason. Uh, I really liked this episode for a short synopsis of it. With her feelings regarding humanity and the purpose of parasites now in question, Rieko encounters Shinichi and Migi one final time. When police arrive on the scene, Shinichi soon finds himself the center of their attention. What I like about this episode is the majority of the episode is um, just a conversation mm -hmm. and takes place... Pretty much um, everything except for the last couple minutes of the episode is in just one spot. Yeah. Oh, it's this is such a somber episode. It's so yeah. it's like this series kind of threw me for a loop in general because it could have jumped into the OK, it's just going to be super gory, bloody all the time. That's it. And that's just the kind of uh, pretense that it sets is like it's going to be that because of just how gory over over the top gory it can be. But there's still more depth to it. And this is definitely an episode that shows that. Yeah. And I really liked uh, Reiko in this uh, episode because basically what's going on is she has a parasite inside of her mm -hmm. and she's one of these parasites that you wouldn't know is a parasite because she acts very human except for, you know, having that kind of staring off into space look and being pretty like matter of fact. 
Yeah. But she's holding a baby and she's giving this, not really speech, but she's having this conversation with Shinichi about how she's kind of like starting to feel more human. Like she's killed people for food before, but now she feels like she doesn't really need to, that she might be able to sustain herself on the kind of food that humans eat. And she's talking about how the other day she found herself laughing in the mirror. Basically, I mean, these are all things that the parasites don't do. So she's kind of come to this conclusion that she thinks that that parasites could just live as normal humans. Right. And basically tells Shinichi to stop hunting them because they can just exist peacefully. It's a weird kind of philosophy to think about if something otherworldly is inhabiting a human, but then they act as a normal human. Do they eventually become human? Are they still a human? Or are they still, regardless of what they do, are they still an imposter? That's kind of like the moral dilemma of this show as far as like her character goes. Yeah, it's like, can these beings integrate into society successfully? And at least in her case, she's on the cusp of doing so. But the clincher is that she also just killed someone and the police are after her because of that. I don't know if the person who she just killed was a parasite as well or, or what exactly. I mean, that because that was in a previous episode that we did not watch for this show. But right. I, the police are all after her because of that. And so they confront and this is in kind of a public park area. They confront her as she's speaking with Shinichi. And with the baby in her arms, like she's got this infant with her, her baby, like she gave birth to it. I mean, while this conversation is going on, the cops are just like, I I don't know if you're a parasite or not like the main cop, but I'm willing to take the chance to basically shoot at you. And and if, if you die, that's on me. But if you don't immediately die, then at least I know I'm doing something right. And we're going to take out this parasite because the parasites are known to be, at least within this, the people who do know of them, they're known to be bad and they're known to eat humans and things like that. So the parasites have this reputation of being evil and being uh, man eaters. So obviously the cops are going to be scared and try to take this thing out, especially if she just killed someone. He fires off the shot, hits her square in the head, and she just kind of like spits it out. Yeah, she absorbs it and then spits it out of her mouth. Yeah, which was a cool move, but then that also is like freaking scary to the cops. So they're like, all right, everybody just fire, just everybody fire. And then Shinichi is like screaming at them not to shoot the baby because it's not a parasite. Yeah, the main detective is Detective Hirama. And I guess they've been investigating these parasites for a while, it seems like. And it looks like Shinichi was actually um, a suspect of theirs for a while and he had Mm -hmm. been cleared. Though Hirama still had suspicions that he was involved and finding him along with Reiko here kind of solidified that, that he's like, okay, he might not be a parasite, but he is involved in this somehow. Like, I'm going to get to the bottom of what's going on. But after Reiko spits the bullet out, they just start unloading on her. I mean, they are just pumping her full of bullets. And the one thing that I didn't understand is she gets shot in the head, spits it out, and she's fine. But they shoot her all over her body, and for whatever reason, she doesn't just spit those out. She actually ends up dying from it. And I'm not sure like why the headshot didn't kill her, but the other shots did. Well, I think because the parasites, I mean, this is just my understanding of it, because the parasites go straight to the brain, the brain is one of those things that's almost always protected. And the heart and, you know, the rest of the organs are still vulnerable, especially because in this, in uh, Rieko's case, because she is protecting that baby, 
She's focusing her attention. That's true. In the same way that the the dog sprouted those wings, she's putting this shield around this baby so that it is protected. And she's taking the brunt of all of these bullets. So, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. And in that way, it made it a really powerful scene because that's kind of her personal sacrifice to protect the future, to protect a human because it's in no way a parasite. So Right. And it's interesting because... As she's getting like unloaded on, she approaches Shinichi, and once they stop firing, she hands him the baby mm-hmm. and says to protect it and raise it. She's like, I, I could have done something to it. I could have done something to this baby, and I didn't. So basically just kind of, you know, proving that these alien slugworm thingy parasites are not inherently evil. You know, they can change. They, they, can, they can care about human life the way that we care about human life. Mm-hmm. So that was very unexpected for Shinichi, for the police. I think they were all kind of mystified by this. And now they're kind of like, oh, like, what do we do now? Kind of thing. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. One more thing that was kind of confusing is for whatever reason, at one point, Shinichi calls her mom. And I'm not sure like what that was about unless oh. he was just like saw something of his mom kind of in her. Well, I think I'm that, not sure. I think that. Either he was imagining it as his mother's image or she took on kind of a, the visage of his mother for like a split second. I wasn't mm. certain on that part, but yeah. in some way, either he saw his mom or she turned into his mom for a second. Maybe to like appeal to him. Or... Yeah, to just to just to show that she is a mother as well. Something to that effect. Yeah. That to me, this was a great episode. I, I loved this episode because of even though it wasn't like super action packed. There was action to a, a certain degree, really not even a lot of action. So much as just cops shooting all of their bullets into a Rico. You know, there is an interesting part after all this too, where um, Shinichi gets taken by the police to this, uh, basically like a lab of some kind. Oh yeah. That was this episode too. Yeah. There's a prisoner there named Uragami and this guy is inhabited by a parasite. And I guess he's been ranting and raving about it for so long. And I think people weren't believing him. But I think as more and more stuff about the parasites came to light, it seems like now they're like, okay, maybe he is. So they brought in a group of self-proclaimed psychics to tell if he actually is a parasite or not. But honestly, what they did, they had ulterior motives. They put Shinichi in that group with these psychics so um uragami was set on on one side of a window as these people were brought in one by one rather than just concentrating on the psychics trying to identify him as a parasite they were going to use him to identify if shinichi was a parasite or not there's some interesting things especially because uh they put a woman in front of this (laughs) window and uh the guy's like oh come on like you you know what it's like in here like obviously he hasn't seen a woman for a while and the dude just starts jacking off like right in front (laughs) of this woman um and then when shinichi (laughs) walks in he's like oh you got a pretty face too boy yeah and then um what what was interesting and it was really creepy is well he fell asleep and then they they wake him up and he gets a good look at shinichi and then all of a sudden like his demeanor just completely changes and he's like, tell tell him to look me in the eye. So Shinichi looks him in the eye. And he's just giving this like chilling glare. And that's when the episode ends. And I'm like, oh, crap. Dude definitely picked up on it. I don't know if he was actually infested by a parasite or not. Because he didn't say that he was. And he was afraid of them putting him in the same room as a parasite. So well, that, yeah, I don't that much know. Yeah, that much is true. I, I'm not sure. But... 
I'm unsure because the end would have led me to believe that maybe he is just because of that look he gave him, that that change in his demeanor. But yeah, there might be something more to it. Yeah, he definitely has some way to identify a parasite. Yeah, he he has some kind of ability at the very least, but uh, we're not certain what that is. Yeah, I just assumed that he was a parasite, but he did have a few mannerisms that were really unlike the others. So maybe he's not. Maybe he just has some other way. But that was a great episode. Yeah, definitely. Well, Chris, I think it's about time we tap into the otherworldly abilities of our own personal blood-sucking parasites and see what our inner kids thought about Parasite the Maxim. All right, get out here, you little worm. This cartoon was so weird, but I want a crazy talking hand that changes shape and has cool blade weapons so I can go fight other parasites like Donald Trump. I give this cartoon four bowls of creepy alien slug cereal out of five, and now I have to go to school where I plan to squeeze the boobs of the hottest girl in class and blame it on a parasite. This is gonna be great. It's foolproof. I found this gory horror anime to be much more interesting than I expected. Instead of only focusing on grotesque, bloody scenes, which, trust me, there are plenty, Parasite becomes so much more, not falling victim to common tropes found in either horror or anime. There's a surprising amount of heart here, both literally and figuratively. It's like a strange amalgam between Invasion of the Body Snatchers, John Carpenter's version of The Thing, and some sort of buddy cop comedy, I guess. As weird as that sounds, this series really managed to pull it off. Based on all that, I'll give Parasite the maximum 4.5 big bowls of flesh-winged mutant corgi cereal out of 5, and highly recommend it to the non-squeamish. Boy, these life-draining, soul-crushing parasites sure were terrible. Luckily, that's not something we have to worry about in real life. Mom, where's dinner? Mom, are you listening to me? Mom! Mom! Mom, 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 mom! Oh, parents of the world, I truly am sorry. I can tell you that the squeezing the boob thing didn't work out. (laughs) It didn't work out. I guess I should have preface that within the first episode the first thing that happens with Shinichi when the parasite gets in his hand is that he finds himself not just fondling this girl's boob I mean hardcore squeezing the thing and doesn't even realize it and he's like ah and he gets slapped for it definitely yeah yeah he does but he also starts a romantic entanglement with that girl later on right so if you want to date a girl just squeeze a boob I do not recommend or condone this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably not going to work out, even if you have a parasite. Do you have any final thoughts? Uh, final thoughts on this one. I mean, I love horror, as we all know. So this, to me, is something I'm definitely going to finish. It's only 24 episodes, so it's not that huge of an ask. And there were scenes at the end of these episodes that really caught me off guard. And I want to see the resolution, too. I have to know, you know what the deal is with that dude with multiple parasites in him. I have to know what the deal is with the weird guy who they had handcuffed. Was he a psychic? Is he also a parasite? I don't know. Overall, I really enjoyed the way this show played out because it wasn't some kind of crazy over the top fan service type thing. Very much like a race. It played itself very straight. I appreciate that type of anime when it's done well. So overall, I definitely recommend this one. And I I know I'm going to catch up on it and watch the movies too. I'm curious. Yeah, I didn't think I was going to like this show toward the beginning of the first episode, but um, mainly because of how strange it was. But the more I watched it, the more I liked it. And I especially enjoyed the kind of philosophy struggle with uh, Raiko's character, where she was talking about how they could just live as humans instead of killing each other. But then there's also the argument that they're already taking a life to begin with because they need a host to survive. So that's a story I could definitely get into, and I would definitely enjoy watching more of this, so I definitely plan on it. 
And before we announce our next cartoon, I want to give a couple of shout outs to some iTunes reviews we have. These came several weeks ago. I might have mentioned one before. I don't remember if I mentioned this one or not, but I might as well say it again. We got a five star iTunes rating by Adrian King, 84. Adrian's a really awesome guy with his own show, so you should go check out Adrian Has Issues. So we really appreciate it. We also got another five-star rating from RJNC00. His review says, This podcast works on so many levels. Nostalgia, fandom, and enjoying them suffering through some bad cartoons. Also, they have a time machine that allows them to talk with themselves as kids. As far as I know, this is the only podcast with time travel capabilities. Which is true. We're the only <laughs> podcast with a time machine. Can we patent the podcast time machine? <laughs> is that something we can do? Can we trademark it? Yeah, yeah. let's trademark kids. Perfect. Can we trademark children? <laughs> also, I want to thank We Are Sibs for recommending this. Again, this was awesome. This is right up there with Erased in my book of animes that I definitely want to watch all the way through. So, so far, you're 100%. Keep on bringing these shows. Yeah, it was really awesome. We're going to get through the next couple of anime and then we'll have to take an anime break for a while or else we'll have to change the name of the show. But like definitely <laughs> yeah. send us another one. So later on down the line, we can revisit and um, get to another one because, yeah, so far, like Joseph said, both the animes that you've sent us have been excellent. So I really appreciate it. Well, listeners, it looks like our milk supply has now run dry. So it's time for us to say goodbye. Next week, we'll be watching Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, submitted via YouTube by Briam Sam. And once again, I'm Joseph. And I'm Chris. <coughs> but we'll see you next Saturday. Presented by Nerdsloth. A place for lazy nerds. If you like what you heard, consider donating at patreon.com slash nerdsloth so we can continue bringing you quality shows. Be sure to also leave us a review and share your favorite episodes and clips on social media. If you're looking for more content, visit us at nerdsloth.com.